This is the one with space ambassadors. Inappropriate music cues. Liz Shaw's disappearing hemline. And foreign conspirators from foreign countries. It's called Ambassadors from Space. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalek, Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Some Torrens look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to C053 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Dogpast. That angelic voice you hear is none other than Ponkin. Hello. And I'm Nick Lowley. And yes, join you us are. this week for Ambassadors of Space. Yeah, allegedly a legendary serial. Legendary? Yes. Yep. I don't know why, but this is considered one of those legendary serials. Is it lit- or notorious? Which is it? See, uh, it, mm, yeah, when you mentioned the whole uh, bit of trivia associated with the writing, I kind of figured, yeah, maybe it is just notorious. But it is considered one of those, like, it's one of those titles that I've heard, you know, yeah. in circles. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, in your Google circle. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> we still we are still on Google Plus, by the way. I haven't updated that. Someone reaches out to us on Google Plus. <laughs> yeah, give... say hi, man. I might say hi back. I won't. <laughs> I'm lying. WhatsApp us. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're talking about ambassadors of death. Yeah. So another another Pertwee. Mm. Mm. Do you like it? He's good. He is good. He's good. Right. He's great. Everything else can get to fuck. <laughs> is how it really you, that bad? How do you feel about it? Uh, I feel like about. Two to three episodes out of this seven episode arc could have been cut. Yeah, no, but see, and... I'm I'm sick of making that excuse uh, that this shit was too long. I'm taking this as a corpus, right? You, there's seven episodes and you yeah. fucked them. Oh, or like, let's let's make it like it's a cocktail. Fine, right? but just the story, just the, just the story, isn't the story kind of cool? Uh, it's complicated. It's complex, man. Yeah, but I mean, I prefer the Slovene. Oh, not the Slovene, the Slylurians. To this we were just recording the, the new fucking theme song guys and the slitheen feature yeah so <laughs> this might be a shorter review because we have spent half of the evening <laughs> singing our theme song into microphones I'm slightly hoarse but uh i don't think this is as interesting for loads of reasons um there's no fucking di- space diplomacy yeah exactly you you're you imagine that there would wait hang on wait what is this thing about let's do a bite search chunk of who and then get back to this let's, let's put a pin in this thing oh i've missed saying that Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Three astronauts have been out of contact for seven months, and the rescue astronaut sent after them also goes incommunicado. Bingo! In step units and the doctor, who quickly dispatched the latter into space to rescue the chap who was sent to rescue the chaps. Meanwhile, three astronauts do return to Earth, but are they perhaps some nefarious Martian invasion force? Or are they radioactive space ambassadors used for some nefarious purpose by a renegade general, hell-bent on interstellar thermonuclear war? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. B-Scout over, you, you are, are welcome. welcome. Yeah, so now we know roughly what this is about. Yeah, It's, it's sort of just a weird exchange. It's basically just a miscommunication. <laughs> 
That's all it is. It's just uh, it's uh, just an awkward British mishap. So I, uh, I, I've got a question for you. The and this is not the standard. Can I start us off with a question? Because mm. I've got a few of those questions as well. But a serious question about how this story devolves from I'm going to say two minutes into Act One. Mm. The there is a signal being sent from them and a signal being sent from Earth to them. Right. And the doctor is the only one who goes, oh, this is a message. No. I don't know what this Hold is. On. I'm going to correct you. There's a message heard twice, but we don't reply. There is definitely a point in Act 1 where the doctor deduces something which I feel scientists in a rocket launch station should be able to deduce themselves, namely that there are two separate messages, one that is being transmitted from some spaceship and one that is transmitted to the spaceship from Earth. Right, okay. How how are they able to send a message? Like, where does that even come from? The guy does doesn't speak Martian. He met them once. He met them once, but maybe the the actual the Martian dude does talk about some sort of agreement. Mm-hmm. Like much later on, this is like Act Six, I think, at this point when you actually fucking meet the Martian. Okay, I remember saying to my my partner, I was like, "Oh look, something's going to happen." <laughs> she could have, I swear, pointing at the TV, plot. Look, it's happening. <laughs> We're talking to someone who can help. Um, anyway, yeah, and he says this was not part of our agreement or something like this. As in the ambassadors and stuff. So maybe there was more of a conversation when Carrington was up the first time than I think, led on. I think there was. Like, are they tricked? Are the, the, the Martians tricked to come to Earth? Yes. So that means... I mean, that, that's part of Carrington's master plan. Exactly, right? So that means that that is a direct response to the message that they've heard. Presumably. But this is in a time along the plotline before they have constructed the communication device. How is he able to formulate a... <laughs> message that tricks three ambassadors to come to earth maybe they gave him like a way to do this one specific single but nothing else like in the way that you can only do the certain swear words in certain certain (laughs) like languages but you can't like order a cab right so this guy can only put together a fairly limited like a, a limited but still pleasant and safe seeming enough diplomatic welcoming message yeah, yeah, he can he can put together a state dinner, but he can't. <laughs> okay, but also here's this. What about this? So they purposefully climb into the spacesuits. Yes. And at this point, they have already kidnapped the three astronauts. Also, yes. Why? Good reason I can think of. Exactly. Especially if your mission, quote unquote, is of peaceful Peace. diplomacy. Exactly. Then actually, what have been great is if you just conversed with these people evenly like you tried to do with the previous batch of astronauts yeah um but no no they just kidnaps them and brainwashes them exactly there's there's definitely a massive gaping hole in the story anyway sorry to start us off on on that yeah why try to fool them with like tape recordings and shit there's no reason that's, that's also the oh. dumbest thing ever. Like, what? Wait, the used a tape recorder to record a message of like, oh, honey, I'm not jerking off, I promise, I'm just toweling down. No, this is ridiculous. What a weirdly specific... <laughs> 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 little fucking tableau you painted for us all. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Whose wife is asking them through the bathroom door if they're jerking off or not? No, this is another thing where, it, just like in our last episode, I'm thinking back to the same serial, The Rescue, in which there is an actual, I shit you not, in that episode, in that serial, it's a two-episode, you can totally watch it. There is a scene aboard the rocket ship, the same rocket ship that had a trapdoor, yeah, uh, in which whenever you try to open 
open the door, it triggers a tape recorder on the other side to go like, uh, don't come in, I'm busy. <laughs> and we at the time theorized that the guy was like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, just pounding one out. Sure, I yeah. get that. Anyway, so that was great. So this just does, it's not legitimate. <laughs> this can't make any fucking sense anymore. No. Um, they're spies. Fine. Must be. Yeah, I guess so. Why would you disguise them? That's okay. what you do with spies. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Murderous radioactive spies. The team of bad guys is quite elaborate compared to other teams of bad guys that we've seen on Doctor Who before. As in Carrington and the yeah. space security. Yeah, so we have Carrington, who's the general. Yep. Then we have, uh, we also have, as per usual, there is an aristocrat running everything. Lord James. James? I was going to go, I didn't know, but I was just going to go with Percy. Sir James. Sir Sir James. Wasn't there a Sir James in the one with the rockety one? That's exactly where I'm going. That's Uh, exactly where I'm going. But is it, it's not the same Sir James. (gasps) Unless it's like 007, like every time an aristocrat takes over that job, they become Sir James. (laughs) That might be it. (laughs) The name's Robert, whatever, Sir James. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sir James, what was that? A canoe. So, okay, so there's Sir James who just wants credit. There's General Carrington who went to Mars at one point, lost a buddy to these radioactive Martians. Mm. By the way, shouldn't this be called Ambassadors of Mars? And also, we've already encountered Martians. The Ice Warriors are Martians. Yes. So yes, there, are, are. there are two separate species living on Mars, I take it then. Well, do they ever actually say they're from Mars? Hmm. Or is it just the Mars probe that got... You're right. Mars probe encountered them on Mars, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you're right. Mm. They have a running battle initially with Unit. Oh, yeah. It's super violent, by the way. It's very poorly choreographed, but incredibly brutal. I feel like that would be a problem for, you know, Her Majesty's... (laughs) It's friendly fire. All of it. On home soil. Not like even in the skirmish of war. Yeah, but I mean, is aren't they, those soldiers, they're doing exactly the same thing as Bruno What's-His-Face is doing. They're doing the Nuremberg defense of like, we're just following orders. Bruno Tonelli. Is that his name? No, no, that's a, a judge from Strictly to Come Dancing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it sounded, right? It sounded so legit. So there's, there's <laughs> Bruno, Bruno Tonioli, there's Annie Lennox. Who's Annie Lennox? Annie Lennox is the disgraced Cambridge professor. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> that dude. He's from great. From the Arrhythmics, yeah. Um, who else? Yeah, so oh, ca- wait, 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 wait. There's also the muscle dude who's like maybe i'll take these aliens down to fort knox yeah it's like think bigger dude yeah (laughs) (laughs) dream bigger (laughs) Um, uh yeah what was his name i can't remember but he's the muscle we call him two bit let's call him two bit two bit he's a two bit con okay yeah fine two bit he then has his own i feel like these aren't soldiers I feel like General Carrington has employed a bunch of hoodlums. Well, no, because he's got... He's, Tubit is the leader no, of his hoodlums. he's got parallel. So he's got legitimate facing Carrington. Yes. Military one. And he's got his shadow, like, organisation, which is all crooks and stuff, to help him put the plan in place. Yeah, sure. He's not using legitimate soldiers for nefarious purposes. They're just I thought doing- that's what you were saying. The The firefight isn't between... This is what I'm. what I'm thinking. I don't... Oh, wait, hang on, no, fuck they it, are. they are soldiers, because yeah. we get that shitty scene in which the doctor suddenly goes, uh, stand at, in attention yeah, when yeah, you yeah. speak to me, and the guy, like, instinctively stands up. Exactly. Oh, that's so dumb. Uh, I hated that scene, by the way. Yeah. It, it's the scene that directly precedes what in my notes is described as the rescue, colon, disarm the guard with the old tea-in-the-face trick. That is such a scene. And it's inaccurate, because any British person would just drink that tea immediately. Just sure. Just one go. We're all, we're all trying to do it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. 
Hang on, we need to we need to get our jizz up. Come. Um, I don't know what that means for going. I don't know either. Right off the bat, mm. we are treated to something that is quite uncharacteristic. Sure. First, I thought this was the new TARDIS interior, that it was all gothic and gorgeous. Mm. According to trivia, such is not the case. Trivia says, this is TARDIS Wikia, that because the TARDIS is no longer working... The Doctor has taken the entire console and is now operating it outside of the TARDIS. That's what it looked like to me. That's not what I thought it was. Mm. I thought it was like, oh, shit, this is like Paul McGann's TARDIS. You know, it's like this massive opulent castle in there. So on a scale of one to bullshit, how bullshit was that fucking scene? With That's the, what I'm getting like, at. Oh, I was in the future for a few seconds. It's- Didn't you feel it? Oh, my God. Not only is it slapstick and bullshit, that's what I've written here, slapstick dematerialization intro, but also it makes no sense. It's though like, oh, it, it, there's a line where she goes, but you disappeared, and he says, and it, for, a, for a second it seems really clever, he goes, no, it's because you went to the future and I wasn't there yet. But he was there. Fifteen seconds later, he's not suddenly elsewhere. He is there. It's as though he's saying he only exists in one single point in time at a time, but it's, that's not the that's case. That's not what annoyed me. That does annoy me, but it's not what annoys me, because is actually, it? if you're trying to go for the logics of... I mean, I don't know what the logic is of space and time, but, like, the Doctor Who unraveled a lot, right? Sure. Let's not worry about that. But let's worry about why they spent 20 to 30 seconds fucking showing us this. For the exact same reason as in episode two, we get the bit of transmigration of object, quote-unquote. Which is not the same as the thing they said. It's not the same, but it is the same in that this is clearly the point in time where the BBC suddenly realised, wait, hang on, this is how we cut a person out of a scene. Like, this is how we stop and we press record without that person there. This is a great trick, guys. Think of more excuses to ham-fist that into this serial. I think it was that plus the idea that they needed to fill seven episodes of this bullshit. Yeah. So we're just going to have... Do the trivia. Explain this situation. So from what I understand, the um, so the credited writer... Yeah. Who is... David Whittaker. David Whittaker. Oh, God. Um, had been working on this script for a really long time. Yeah. And then when Terence Dix came on board, um, he sort of inherited this project as well. And uh, Ter- uh, Whittaker had been rewriting, rewriting. He went through like five drafts and just couldn't get it right because it's a bullshit fucking episode, right? <laughs> um, and it, I think it was supposed to have Jamie and Zoe and I think it was a... Oh, really? So it's yeah, an yeah. old one that yeah, was then repurposed? It was supposed to be set in the future. Oh, Okay. And it just kept getting wrong and wrong and wrong. And Terence Dix and I think Matt Hulk, Malcolm Hulk, um, basically said, let's just pay the guy and give him the credit and then we'll finish it. Not because this guy's a bad writer, just because he was he was making it worse with every draft. Like, because there's seven. F- and we received another bit of trivia that actually helps yeah. with this. So, so from uh, one of our listeners, Bill Switzer. Hello, Bill! Uh, who reached out on Facebook and said... Oh, wait, hang on. And I can't quote because I'm not close to Facebook. But he, he, he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, that the government, this being the BBC and it's state-funded, right? So the mm. government said, no, no, you have to stretch out these serials to be seven episodes long because it's costing way too much to build these sets. So you need to just squeeze as much value as possible from all this investment. And that's why we've had, actually for a while now, this run of seven episode serials. Yeah, and I guess maybe what will end up being my rating will be affected by the fucking government. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Type bastards. Yeah. But Whenever yeah. this was, let's blame Thatcher. Right? So it, it, was, it was cool of them to a give him the full writing credit yeah. and pay him all of the stuff. Uh, a couple of things about David Whittaker. So David Whittaker is a name that definitely rang a bell, and I had to look him up. Here are a couple of things that he wrote: The Rescue. <laughs> 
The same trapdoor recorder thing. Well, that makes some sense. He clearly wrote the exact same re- tape recorder element into two serials. He also wrote some great ones. He wrote The Crusade, The Power of the Daleks, The Evil of the Daleks, The Enemy of the World, dude. The en- well, at least he got credit for it, as far as we're aware. No, right? no, so. no, no. He wrote that. Let's say he wrote that. If you got credit, like, this is the only one that I've oh, seen. Oh, this is actually. the only one? Well, no, this is the only one I've seen it clearly refuted. Okay. You know fine. what I'm saying? Like, if, right, you, if, right, if, right. if it's not clearly refuted, we can't, like, draw everything in the list question. goes on he also wrote the wheel in space oh right well, see this makes more sense because that's what makes why this, this would be a, a future one. Oh yeah, yeah and a jamie and zoe one. do you know what his very first serial was though mm, <laughs> celestial toy making no. what was it no it's been so long since i said this last it was the edge of discretion <laughs> nice yeah that's the full extent of my david whittaker trivia but still interesting because that's this the guy's clearly talented clearly and um, but the you know the circumstance in which this came about is going to color it colors my opinion a bit as a valiant as a, a, a fucking job everyone's trying to do yeah this is too long yeah this is too long i fell asleep in the fifth one i gotta tell you guys <laughs> you i like did. on my sofa i just fell asleep it was like nine in the evening it wasn't even late <laughs> <laughs> the fuck was going on but yeah it's by the sixth one when the actual martian turned up i got interested again it was right um oh when we see mr boily face when the doctor goes into sp- no no not mr boily face well also, Mr. also Boyle, yeah. Mr. Boyle Both Boyle. Yeah. Um, in the weird, like, judge. holographic, like, I couldn't work out whether he was behind, like, like Venetian blinds. I, I think, yeah, water. I think he's, here's what's happening. Okay. He's behind Venetian blinds, behind an aquarium, filmed, projected onto a screen, next to what is meant to be a future TV, which is that the ball. future TV, they existed. Like, oh my God, look at those things. Oh my God, like, this is great. Are they playing a video game or are they watching a soap opera? I can't No, no, here's some bullshit because I, was, I, was, I listened to that quite intently because I thought, yeah. wouldn't it be Because you were like, the- boom, immediately awoken up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just immediately, I was just, I was hype. Um, but well, I was listening to that bit quite intently because I was like, this is awesome because by their dialogue, it sounded like they were playing FIFA. Yeah, exactly. Which is impression I mean, as fuck, wouldn't it? It seems as though they're playing a game against each other. And well, one of them said, why didn't you score that goal or something like that? And I thought, that's awesome. I don't know what 1970 was like, but like, did they have video, like football games? I don't think so. To my knowledge. Anyway, I thought that was precious. But it's like a future arcade game, I guess. But later, once the Doctor comes in, they have their chat and they turn the telly back on. One yeah. says to the other, we'll see if we can catch the end of the game. So they're actually, they think they're watching a game then? Well, no, I just think, I think it's a fuck up. I think that do they you think so, or do you think to be playing like with their mind. Or no, because they think they are on Earth. Ah, uh, good point. So right? maybe they're just watching. So, yeah, exactly. So when he's saying like, oh, why didn't you sc- score whatever, he's talking to a player on the field on the telly. I think that's what's happening. Maybe, maybe. Or this is a remnant of David Whittaker's original future script. And it's like, in the future, you can actually I interact think, with it. That's what I think it is. Um, I know, that telly was cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> okay, another question for you. Mm. What do you think of the music? Because there are some... It was weird and out of place. awful... I mean, there's such super inappropriate music. The first bit where the two rockets are docking with each other... I have linked up. Which was sick. 
I know. What the, it? Th- it's weird that you say that. My note is uh, the music in the background of Link Up is what they refer to yeah. it as. The Link Up is appropriate of the Jonestown copulation shed. <laughs> it's like, it's the weirdest. Yeah, it's like a soap opera romance yeah. theme. And then there's the other one, which is the adventure theme. <laughs> By the way, I'll just splice sound bites yeah, yeah, into this. It. They're terrible. They're so weird and so inappropriate for what was going on on screen. It's like it's like they never. You know, from what I understand from TV and stuff, the person scoring it, yeah, watches it and scores appropriately. Exactly. Like it's, it's in the studio. And you score, and happy days, right? I don't think that that's how it was at I the time, I think they though. just had track. Yeah, I think so, too. I think there's like there's one part of the BBC making music, another part of the BBC is putting, you know... Actually, do you know what I bet happened? No. Is that part of the budgetary constraint, they didn't have a person, they just had tracks. And just like, they oh, just reuse went, whatever you they have. They just went into the archive. That's very possible. The space scenes were on point, though. They were great. The docking. That was I don't, it's like how did you make my, like these are great. Yeah, they're brilliant. They take way too long, but they are brilliant. There's a oh, we've done a few well, I've done a few James Bond references on Who Back When, but there's I, I get slight Moonraker. Exactly. Yeah. I get slight Moonraker and also uh what's the other one? Thunderball. Do you know what this reminds me of? No. Which I think now post having this thought I read somewhere else, Stingray. This reminds me of Stingray. Oh! Actually, Not you know Stingray, what? sorry. Captain uh, Scarlet. Captain Scarlet. Actually, possibly Both. even some of the space scenes of... Um, oh, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, yeah, exactly. Captain the, Scarlet, though. This is the voice of the Mr. Ross. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in fact, that inappropriate Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart jerking off music... ...is actually quite appropriate. That's some Captain Scarlet bullshit, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. Cool. All right. What did you think of... Who was the bad guy? Because what's great about this, actually, if there was one good serial, in my opinion, the bad guy isn't the bad guy. Like, like as in, the monster of the week isn't the bad guy. Exactly. The, the monster of the week is a pawn in the bad guy's plan. And even the bad guy isn't a bad guy. He's just sort of... He's got some mental health issues. Yeah, and, and he's, missing, he's misinterpreted the situation. Like, he lost a friend on his Mars mission assumed that these aliens were bad guys and now actually has good intentions. He wants to rescue mankind. I mean, do you know what's kind of cool? That but guy, he's a psychopath. That guy's got some application. Because he must have been a younger man. Yeah! Before, I need to raise, uh, rise to the rank of general of this very specific job that I'm going to create. How did he know that they would ever encounter them again? And if he did, why did he keep it a secret? Like, why didn't he tell people right then and there? Like, fucking... guys, we lost a dude because aliens touched him and they're radioactive. By the way, we have to talk about the radioactivity. He's, de- he's dedicated. Let's talk about the radioactivity. Okay, let's start off by saying that's not how radioactivity works. Not at all. <laughs> so apparently if you're radioactive and you touch a person, that guy just blows up or flies away. I guess, I don't know how radioactive, like, do you mean like... My favorite scene the- is the one where he touches the bar and because he's radioactive, his radioactivity travels across the bar in sparkles and then hits the other guy like he's getting an electric shock, so he flies, uh, flies to the side. All right. <laughs> I have like GCSE science to go on. Yeah, go for it. From what I remember of it, that's I, I like there were just waves and things. I don't know, but yeah, maybe yeah. there's like a certain level of radiation of a certain type that could do some shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. I'm just saying, there's a big gap in my knowledge. I'm not going to blame these kids. It's oh, I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. What I what, what I and also why is it contained within the spacesuit? 
Can explain this to me? Why is it contained within? Is it that they breathe air and everything? Like they are regular oxygen breathing dudes? Well, no, no, no. Because they create an atmosphere for the doctor to walk. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Which is brilliant, by the way. That's lovely. But so what? Do they have enough of an atmosphere within the spacesuit to last them days and days and days and days? No, clearly. No. Um, in fact, isn't there a scene where the guy takes off the helmets in uh, what's his face? Yeah, Two yeah, bits yeah, yeah. lair. Yeah. Right? They're also, clearly just like breathing great, whatever. That's a great scene because Zoe, who's in there feeding them radiation, right? Yeah. Like it's feeding time. They don't have radiation. to eat, by the way. That's fine. Let's <laughs> say they eat radiation. I'm not sure how it works. But so radiation. she freaks out because one of them blocks the door and the other takes her helmet off. Yeah. And he's boily face. Yeah. And she just starts pounding on the glass and then very calmly opens the door to leave. There is nothing stopping. Why did she take 10 <laughs> seconds out of her like fucking trip to bang on the glass? She just could have left. Um, as could they, apparently. Yeah. As ambassadors. <laughs> their diplomatic mission seems very unclear. And they don't seem to be making great pains to help anyone realize no and you could argue yes they're here on a diplomatic mission they were tricked here but now they're being they're being held hostage because they need radioactivity or whatever or they are being you know radio controlled because that we have that little um, yeah tv remote type thing that's like oh this is the signal to walk forwards and this is the very elaborate signal of like you know touch the bar and then electrocute the guy and go and whatever hide in the bakery van and this is the signal to chat chat real smooth yeah which you get (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean okay so you could argue all those things at one point they say why are you making us kill people? Like, mm. why are you making us commit crime? That's in favor of them being remote controlled. Yeah. Yes, unless the coercion is to do with the food. Like, you know, they're doing things because they need the radiation. They know they're bad, but they need to do them to live. Well, what? How selfish are these three ambassadors? Well, yeah, exactly. To a point, they're culpable, but like everyone does things when they're pushed, right? That's, I'm, I'm saying they, they have a what, some degree of culpability, but the morality is quite complex. Even Annie Lennox relented. <laughs> He's just Annie Lennox. He's just Annie, just I, replace him entirely with Annie Lennox. <laughs> Sweet dreams are made of, of these. these. Even, even Annie Lennox, uh, who was... No, actually, sorry. He wasn't coerced into this. He did, his, did it out of uh, scientific um, interest slash desperation. He said he had th- nowhere to go. It was like, as an ex I don't have any friends. I like, guess I'll... Maybe you could have just stayed at home. Uh, signed on, got a fucking paper round. I don't know, any of, anything else would have been fine. Actually, you know what? That's a very good point. At no point, I, I, I just made up the whole scientific interest thing. At no point does he say, these are fucking aliens, when else am I going to get a chance to work with extraterrestrial beings? No, he doesn't say that. Never. He actually says it's more because he he's like, where else do I have to go or something like that. It's like, well, the, the two options aren't Cambridge or here. <laughs> And also, why do we need this guy? You don't need someone who's like, oh, I'm, I'm this discredited Cambridge professor who's like, uh, I'm an expert in shit. And I, I, <laughs> I know so much about radioactive aliens from Mars. Like, especially the ones with a diplomatic agenda. Okay, that's what I specialize in. That was my thesis. That's why I was discredited. And that's why me in this fucking basement. Why was he discredited? I don't know. I don't think we ever find out. Ugh. I mean, he was a pedophile or something. But okay, so here's the thing. What you, you don't need that. You, the only thing he ever does 
is he looks at a Geiger counter. Like, that is literally what he does. So why even have that character? Well, what's interesting is because once he does die, once they get him, right? Yeah. They're like, Liz, you could do this. Like, we have very different specialties. Yeah. But, uh, wait, Liz, you have eyeballs and a Geiger counter. You're fact- a scientist. So science is the same. <laughs> science, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an ecologist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. speaking of... Oh, sorry. Were you yeah. going to say something? Well, I was just saying just the general bullshit of what they're up to. Like, like 2-Bit has... What does he want to do with these people? Also, no, so isotopes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, yes. Radioactive isotopes. No, no, radioactive isotopes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that's no, not sorry. what they say. N- Oh, okay. um, at one point, they just go, go to the... Here, I need these isotopes. Go to the isotope factory. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, they refer to an isotope factory of isotopes. Okay, not the first time that we've had some isotope trouble on in Classic Who. Now, can you remember what an isotope is? Because I think I've got it, but I need help. Uh, no, isn't it just something that is radioactive? As in something that is, you know, moving at a specific frequency? I think, I think it's, uh, it's an element that has the same amount of protons and the same amount of... Oh, you know, it has wh- the same, you know, you know more about this than I do. It has the same atomic weight, has like a different arrangement or number of neutrons, so it's the same shit, just like an analogue, and there are some Where's radioactive elements. What? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have, n- I have genuinely no somebody idea. You write clearly in. know what somebody this is. Somebody write in, right? Because I think that there are some radioactive isotopes Fine. and some not. It's not a thing. You can't order an uh, isotope. You okay. can order isotopes of stuff. Uh, Nick, mm. I beg to differ. There's a fucking factory making <laughs> stuff, okay? But also, we have encountered isotope trouble before. We've had isotopes referred to occasionally as isotopes, isoptopes. Um, I want to s- uh, No, I was going to say iposopes, but, uh, <laughs> but I might be making that up. Isotope. <laughs> if, so. I can't remember which serial this was now, but uh, it, someone, someone tell us, or possibly future Pumpkin. Maybe thanks. I don't know if I'll ever remember <laughs> if I'll bother doing the research. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I know. I feel like the thing that we can take from this is the science does not check no, out. This is not like Kit Pedler, who no. was a dick, but was but, clearly But was like, clearly like a... Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, he was... He was an optometrist, let's call him that. Was he? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, he at least knew the scientific method. Yeah, exactly. I know, these isotopes were just in crates. (laughs) Okay, yeah. That's enough, isn't it? I mean, if you're wearing wellies and... (laughs) (laughs) And you got some old pallet crates. Yeah, we're good. good. No problem. Okay, speaking of putting people who aren't necessarily scientifically qualified to perform a certain job uh, in said job... Or, you know, vice versa, as in is the case with Annie Lennox and, and um, what's-her-face, Dr. Liz. We get another case of, let's just put whoever at the, you know, the joystick slash wheel of this rocket. Like, when, you know, the BSA, we don't care. Anyone could drive this rocket. <laughs> let's put the doctor in there. We don't know him, right? Yeah. Well, it's at some point, actually, I think Carrington says, who is this doctor? Uh, only, only you know, bagels, vouches for him. It's like, yeah, that's a good point. Who is this dude? <laughs> yeah. Why are we giving him access to so much stuff? Why are we letting him fly a rocket? Why Why would he go like, I mean... It's because they come in a pack of three, we're fine. I know how to fly it. All oh, right, oh, cool. That's fine then. Thank you for telling us. It was very similar to me, similar to another serial that you and I have reviewed. And I cannot remember which one it is. I've got, I, in my notes, I've said, very similar to the rocket scene in, what was it called again? Something that we re-reviewed. Oh, with, um, with Professor Bumbletron that has a rocket. I think it's the one where we get the scene where the Doctor, Jamie, and uh, Zoe, like they, I'm podcast land, I'm stretching my cheeks here. Like where they simulate gravity by stretching their cheeks, whichever scene that was. 
Yeah, I think serum. that was the bumble drop. Was that with the um the, the homemade as well? Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, you know what? Because they did exactly the shuttle it. from exactly. Professor Bumbletron. Ice Warriors. It's an Ice Warrior one. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah. Yes, it is. The tell... What the fuck was it called? Shit. Telemat. Teamat. 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 Yeah. Uh, by the way, about that scene. So, mm. you know the scene where he's he's in the rocket ship, and the rocket ship, is, it's pointing up, mm. right? And he's... Best way to do it. Yeah. But he's sitting in it, so, like, his back is... He's sitting, quote-unquote, sitting down, but his back is downwards. Yeah. His legs are... I mean, he's perpendicular, mm. right, to the ground. Watch that scene sideways i did he's yeah. clearly just sitting there and it, i mean it's so obvious because there are a few parts of that scene where he's like putting things in his lap just like forgetting about the fact that oh wait hang on where we've turned the camera and you're actually facing that way you're looking up not you know straight ahead it's great because he's got like a folder in his lap he like picks it up he puts it down that's a cup of tea yeah <laughs> It's pretty good. Okay, what else? Fuel refinery. Fuel refinery. Yeah. Pretty easily infiltrated. This might have been the point where I fell asleep. Really? Okay. Oh, wait. Hang on. This is episode five. Is this where you slept? This might well be. Right. Okay, so there's a... No wonder you weren't reacting when I said fuel refinery before. There's, There's... Somehow the BBC got access to this, what I'm assuming is a refinery. I mean, it might be a brewery for all I know. Like, it's this huge compound. And we get massive bits of uh, scenes with two bit just running to and fro, spinning wheels and like turning knobs and like sabotaging it. And it's ridiculously stretched out. I mean, what could have been. Uh, we could have seen like five seconds of it, but we get to see like two, three minutes of this it. This makes sense now because the fuel is fucked up later on. And exactly. Like, Sabotage. Yeah, like, that's what he does. Dude. But the thing is, like, it's not very well guarded. I mean, it just requires one dude in a bakery van to pop. That's what he does. He has a bakery van and he drives into the refinery, beats like, up one or two guys. Like, donuts. Get your donuts. <laughs> donuts. Like, I feel like you'd find more security in a regular petrol station. <laughs> this, this guy. <laughs> This is the fucking the British Space Agency's, you know, fuel refinery. Anyway, it's crazy. And also, does every space agency slash military operation get their baked goods from the local bakery? Where else do you want to get them? I don't know. Wouldn't you, you have get them some from dude Nestle? Who does Monster. that? Wouldn't you have some dudes? Like, just like you have some dude who's tasked with peeling 3,000 potatoes a day, wouldn't you also have someone like, oh, make some buns for the dudes? Make some buns. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do my military service in case that was obvious enough. Make the buns. <laughs> for the guys. <laughs> the guys. The guys have been working hard. Make the buns. I swear this is how it works in the military. <laughs> the British military. <laughs> you guys. Hey, you. What's your rank? Sergeant. Make the buns. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, do you have a better suggestion? <laughs> no, I feel like this is like. Why are you the last person to make it through the obstacle course? Make the buns, <laughs> you know. Anyway, we're spending way too much time on that. Okay, makes as much sense as anything. Else. <laughs> How do you feel about the TV reporter? I really like him. Mm. I really liked him. He was like some outer limits. Um, what's that? The other fucking show? Uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Yeah. Shit. He had that voice. Um, he did, but he was a little bit overused. I think he was overused. I mean, I thought when when it came to the because the TV broadcast at the end is the crux of the plan, right? Yeah. Actually, so ladies, it makes no ladies, sense. ladies and gentlemen, fake news is the villain here. <gasps> that was my note. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> fake news. God damn it! I was waiting for 
an opportunity to say that. <laughs> Fuck your notes. <laughs> Fuck your notes. Okay, fine. Oh. But yeah, okay, so the TV reporter. I really like him. I thought he'd be this lovely, you know, this reportage all the way through. And I thought actually temporarily it might shift to him. I thought that would be cool, right? Like if he was... Wait, shift to what, sorry? So he was reporting as things happened. Yeah. And then eventually we'd shift into him reporting the things that did happen. Like as in... Oh, you know, he'd be telling the story almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. Well, I think almost that's a little bit too high concept for high for Classic concept. Who. That'd be wicked, though. It would be wicked. Uh, what I can see happening in Classic Who is not it having a shift and then that taking over for the last whatever, like two episodes or something. But I can see that being the very last scene of the yeah, serial, something like right? that. But uh, still, I think he was overused. He, he felt like a like a Virgil, like trying. To guide us through the fucking hell that is the excessive twenty percent of this shit serial. Did everyone hear that? Did everyone hear that? There's a Dante reference, and this is cementing us as the most pretentious Doctor Who. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) True. I'm drinking Becks. I'm drinking Becks. The um... makes it worse. (laughs) There's your roll up. No, but I feel like there's. I quit smoking, dude. Mm. I, I I feel like he was used excessively, potentially as a consequence of... This is where Mr. Switzer's trivia comes in very relevantly for me. Mm. Like I feel like maybe they tried to fill some of those gaps with more TV reporter shit. Yeah, right. You know? More exposition, more... Yeah. yeah. I, I, we didn't need him. I, I want to see the action. I don't want to hear some guy talk to me about the action. I say doing a podcast about it. <laughs> Whoops. But, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked him. Shot myself uh, in the foot there. No, no, I was a fan. Yeah. I actually thought that he was he was one of the stronger elements because I was because I, I wasn't that fussed about the action. The action wasn't very actiony. Um, like there was. Yeah, some... oh, sorry, I didn't mean action as in explosion. No, 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 I mean, no, action no. As in like plots. Well, that's know? what I mean. There, and yeah. that's what I meant. There wasn't much plot. There was actually more action probably here than in most serials. Like in terms of you know Schwarzenegger action. Um, Rambo action. Yeah. There was there was lots of fighty, shooty people fucking died, right? Like and and bagels did some hand to hand combat, which was I don't. Where was I with this? I initially thought uh. bagels handling his business. Then I thought bagels, you definitely missed that punch. Uh. There, there are a, yeah, okay, yes, you're right. But there are a couple of scenes. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I felt like there were a couple of punches that seemed super realistic, like too realistic for children's TV. Mm, <laughs> you know? No, I th- I yeah, always mistaken I, then. I saw a lot. I felt like there'd be like a kablamo, like a, <laughs> you know, like a Kuala Lumpur, like Kuala like, Lumpur, just like Holy Batman shit. sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, everyone in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, sorry, we're huge in Kuala Lumpur. I love Kuala Lumpur. I mean, I've only seen the airport, but it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never been. I'd like to go sometime. <laughs> Can I pull in a soundbite? We have not a soundbite yet. Don't hit me. Two minutes, 30 seconds into episode four, we get the BBC trying to avoid blaming a specific country. Look, newspaper cutting in a foreign language. Anyone can buy a foreign newspaper, General. What about this comb, then, with the maker's imprint on it in the same language? It could have been planted, sir. No, the only people who could set up an organisation of this size would be foreign agents with enormous resources behind them. Because we have, like, uh, they were speaking a foreign language. There are foreign agents from a foreign country. They're foreign. <laughs> Shh. They mean Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Which also makes you think, like, where is Bruno from exactly? Because he has a name that sounds like the Italian, but he has an accent that is vaguely French. And then there's, like, 
He's got to be Italian. He has to be, right? His last name is like... Tagliani or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah Tortellini. The, he, he doesn't sound Italian, though, right? Yeah, he doesn't really sound Italian, but that's probably not because he wasn't meant to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Plus, at this point, I guess in time in 1970s, we're Italian shifty. Oh, well, I mean, we're... we're are we over the war yet? Like, are we I feeling... was going to say, I mean, we're certainly closer to fascism than we are now. Well, actually, we swung around again, yeah, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not make any predictions. <laughs> Bruno has some fantastically epic shiznit going on, though. The whole suitcase B-plot. Yeah. With the bomb. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Here's a suitcase. No one look at it. I'm just going to leave this there. I've left other important things in my car. Why do you own a suitcase? Why do you own a briefcase then, Bruno? Why Why do you need this in What's in the suitcase? It's like Kramer's suitcase, full of biscuits. The uh, <laughs> It's such a wonderful scene. He so very clearly is doing some nefarious shit with that We've suitcase. We've already established in this scene, the docs has already established that Bruno is like some double agent. Yeah, that he is untrustworthy. So like i'm just gonna go to my car all right bruno take your time (laughs) have fun (laughs) but then also this is the scene that establishes that the doctor is indestructible there's a bomb unless bruno is yeah you're right we have two because we have the rocket as well actually but why does the doctor survive it i mean i'm happy that he did obviously but why does he come out of it unscathed i'm gonna go for the like it was just a bad ied and it blew his trousers off a la hitler a la hitler yes there was a bomb plot that blew off his trousers. Blew off his trousers? Yeah, um, Rommel was involved. Oh, this is, the, is this the Valkyrie thing? Yeah. But really? There was a blew bomb off his trousers? Blew off his trousers. Literally blew off his trousers. Apparently so. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know, I, I mean, I knew about the thing, minus trousers. <laughs> yeah, that makes it out of, it's not in the film, is it? <laughs> oh, I've not seen the film, is it good? I've not seen the I've film. I've kind of avoided it because I don't want to, I, I'm assuming that Tom Cruise does a German accent and I just don't want to see that. Because of how scary accurate it might be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, got another soundbite for you. Mm. In fact, I'm going to do a double soundbite. Double. Soundbite from this serial. Analyze the shape of object as discoid, half a mile in diameter. Half a mile wide? Must be a meteor. Meteors don't stand still. And now, this nugget from the movie Independence Day. It has a diameter of over 550 kilometers and a mass roughly one-fourth the size of our moon. What the hell is it? A meteor? No, definitely not. How do you know? Well, sir, it's slowing down. Because they are identical. Nice. Right? That's great as a shout. Ka-ching. That's huge. <laughs> right? That's like half a kilometer. huge. <laughs> I yeah. thought so when when um the doctor goes into the ship yeah. and it's like some nightmare if not me translates it's like uh some VR bullshit right like it's yeah. proper green screen yeah. for the first yeah. time and I You're I, right this I, is again, the very first time I, I, I looked at my partner and thought, Man, this is blowing some seventies kids' fucking minds right now. This right? is like the first, especially the bit green where he skin. sinks down slowly. Mm. That's beautifully done. Yeah. Ah, good times, good times. I'm, I'm scouring my notes for something here. I've got, I've got a few things. Yeah, Liz Shaw. Oh, we haven't talked about Liz Shaw. So Liz Shaw, shorter your short skirts. I've got shorter. <laughs> yeah, and they. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know what to say. We're like 24 hours after International Women's Day. Whoops. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But I mean, if it's starting to feel more swinging 60s. It's, uh, yeah. 
right? Which, you know, in the 70s seems bad. <laughs> exactly. So even though, well, Sweden's 70s, I guess, why not? No. I mean, still a lot of Hippie drugs, culture but... has taken over, or is... Well, no, because that was still 60s issue, early 70s. But yeah, what it feels like is like the BBC and everything, well... And definitely British people and everything is like, what are the kids like? I don't know. What did they like six years ago? That! <laughs> you know, um, TV execs just being out of touch. Yeah. I, I also feel like there must be some really lecherous BBC execs. As in all of them. Potentially. Well, I mean, certainly someone who's just gone, <clears throat> Dr. Legs could make another appearance, you know. It's uh, horrible, isn't it? It is. Very, it um, really, yeah, I mean, I'm not endorsing it. I know, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I mean, if, if feels like she wants to be taken seriously but she's not being given a chance because she's dr legs also the doc seems to have fucking mugged Lawrence llewellyn bowen like for his tunic like what the fuck is that flouncy shirt does he already have the frilly thing yeah he's got the frilly he does have the frilly thing also who's that Oh, um, he was a quote-unquote interior designer from the 90s that that was in a changing room show and was famous for wearing flouncy tunic-like. Oh, nice. And fucking up people's living rooms. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, like horrendously. It's a really funny show because people (laughs) lose their shit. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. (laughs) The premise of the show is that you and your neighbor swap houses and one gets to decorate the other's. What? And you get like 500 quid to like do a whole floor. 500 quid to do a whole floor? They come up with fun ideas. Oh no. And it ends awfully. Is this the thing? This is like tangent, ladies and gents. Is this the thing where it's like someone shows up and he's gone, painted your whole living room black, floors, ceilings, yes, that's walls, everything. Yeah, in fact, they did that once. They blamed the whole, they, they, they did the whole floor black yeah. and they didn't dry. Like, for the whole time, that whole allocated time. <laughs> so they couldn't do anything else. Oh, and, God. like, at the end, they've just got, like, the windows open and everything. And this woman's, like, lost her fucking mind crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens more often than not. People, like, start crying and, like, Oh, why? Out. Why? Yeah, you know what? If you sign up to participate in one of those shows, then, you know, shame on you. You deserve it. Sorry. Oh, they need to bring their shit back. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I might actually watch TV if that's the case. Okay. I got a few more notes. Back to Doctor Who. (laughs) About General Carrington, I don't know if you share this observation, but I've written, for episode seven, I've written, I'm not sure if this is the case, but I feel like his mustache gets narrower and more square every time he says something. Yes. Right? I thought, I thought... I mean, metaphorically speaking. (laughs) Also, he says something and someone goes, uh, Professor Cornish says... I think he's insane. I'm like, that's a bit of a leap to make from the guy that you've been working with quite closely for years. Yeah. And then go, he's insane. It's like, he's pretty much like this the entire time. Well, did you just notice? I mean, oh, actually, to be fair, this is the first time. Wait, are you talking about Annie Lennox? No, no. Professor Cornish. Who's Professor Cornish? He's the young... Oh, uh, the guy who's in charge of the BSA. Yeah, exactly. But although, although I will say that, for in his defence, this is the first time that Carrington has brought up interstellar thermonuclear war. Oh, okay. Which might make you look at a man sideways, <laughs> right? Like, you might go, have you had your shredded wheat? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. More notes. More notes. Uh, more observations. Uh, we have a completely new title and a new way of introducing yeah. episodes. Yeah. So I it- was. I was. It made me feel more like New Who. Okay. Because there are often like in more media More like opening like, yeah, type yeah, thing. Or yeah. Whatever. Not in media res. The opposite. Whatever the fuck the opposite of in media res. It was is. in media res. In medias res. There you go. 
Is, well, surely, well, well, not the very first episode, but then two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah. Seven. I mean, the opposite of that when we talk about cold opens. Let's not worry about it. But what I'm saying is that that and then a title sequence because that's what happens now right we get a little thing and then yeah we get like oh peril boom yeah. intro sequence yeah, yeah. there was no real peril here it, there, there, no okay I mean just as with all of classic who today it's like oh wait there's a cliffhanger I bet you in two seconds there won't be one but there, there still was peril like Bruno was pulling a gun on him for example but um, or oh no there's a radioactive space ambassador approaching he's clearly gonna touch his back oh he's clearly not going to you know but I don't know if they're going to keep this up. As in the new format of yeah. the new... Oh, well, I don't know, because, like I said, I immediately thought RTD has looked at this and thought, let's do this. Possibly. So whether it's, this is now going to go on some epic run that this actually becomes the more iconic opening, and that's what RTD was trying to... Uh, replicate and then you know subsequent and moffat etc did it serve the purpose of making it easier for you to watch this did you did you feel drawn in by that opening uh no because i chained them but i feel like if i was watching them on a weekly basis yeah maybe yeah yeah well it it gives you a nice little read because it mostly basically all it did was do the last two minutes we used to get that before as well except in this case there's there's a little bit more oomph to it like we get to see the title for example it's split up we get the ambassadors possibly the ambassadors of it totally worked for me on some way that i can't really explain which is great for a podcast (laughs) Uh, it just it felt okay well i mean i guess mission accomplished in that case Mm. all right randomly plucking things from my notes i don't know if this applies to every episode but episode seven i watched all the way through the end credits and actually like properly read through them there's a soldier credited by name and he is Wait for it. Private Johnson. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Private Johnson. God, that made me so happy. <laughs> Did you see Benson makes an appearance? I know! Sergeant. Episode 5, 2 minutes and 12 seconds in, I have written, Corporate. all caps, Benton, exclamation mark, times, like, I don't know how many. Actually, just three. But still, you get the idea. I do. Yeah. I love Benton. Benton is wonderful in this as well. He's great. He's really, I mean, he has a very tiny part, but maybe that's the Private Johnson. But it is, it's, he's so charismatic. He seems like such a nice guy. I hope he gets more green time. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So, short and sweet for me. You've just heard me for like an hour, right? Talk about this. You don't need to. Almost exactly one hour. Yeah. Um, It's so fucking long. (laughs) There's just not that much to, to like, to like about it no not because there wasn't stuff to like about it it's just stretched at five points five who back one points stretched over seven episodes of 25 you know minutes a piece yeah it stretches fucking thinly and as much as i i know that's an excuse and these guys probably were trying to work mineral calls with fucking potato peel here but it just didn't come out with world-class vodka like it was it was bullshit um yeah so not it's not disparaging to anyone involved, but I just would I don't think they want to watch this. Uh, so I'm going to go for one point five. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you are harsher than I am. Mm. All right. Fine. Uh, I I agree with everything you've said, but I still feel like it is ever so slightly redeemed by a few high concept sci fi elements, and also the fact that they're really trying. You know, like there there's an expression probably also ill translated to English: aim for the stars, and you might hit the treetops. And I feel like they've done it here. There's a similar one in English, oh, really? which is uh, aim for the star. No, aim for the shoot for the moon. And if you fall, you if you fail, you might land amongst the stars. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. It's better than Trito. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you win, you win, you win. The, the um, fuck it, life is a competition, you win. The, uh, <laughs> sorry, this, my be- notes. this beer has really <laughs> had an effect on me. Oh, fuck you, man, you can read my goddamn notes. Where, where, where was I? Okay, this beer has really had an effect on me, I don't even know why. Is it the martini? <laughs> it might have been the martini that preceded these beers, yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, okay, so I feel like they really tried, and there are, the fact that they've made the, the evil plot so elaborate, they failed in my opinion the execution has failed but the fact that they tried and they made it so elaborate is already that counts for something so I'm gonna give this a straight 3.0 yeah for the rest re-listen to this whole episode boom shazam we have some listener minis as well I'm gonna solo those take it away future pumpkin Bing bong, future punkin here. Well, <laughs> near future punkin, I will say, because uh, we only stopped recording about half an hour ago. Here we go. We received a whole bunch of listener minis. I'm just going to rattle through these now. Listener minis. In chronological order, that is, the order in which we received them, we have uh, numero uno. This one comes from Paul. Paul Forber. What up, Paul? How you doing? As usual, Paul has provided us with an incredibly well-penned synopsis of the serial in question. So if you haven't seen this and you have no interest in seeing this, or you just want to read a well-written summary of the plot, then go to whobackone.com and read it in its full splendor. I'm going to skip the synopsis this time around and instead focus on the final paragraph of his mini, which is in fact a mini. Paul goes, The Doctor's chess match with Carrington and his conspiracy is attributed to writer David Whittaker, but was largely written by script editor Terence Dix. Given the military antagonist's irrational desire to attack the aliens, the story might easily have come from liberal-leaning writer Malcolm Hull. Regardless, marvellous model work and focus on space missions make this serial a production of its times. The early 70s. The Brigadier here, unlike in the Silurians, is the Doctor's staunch ally, vouching for him without hesitation at the Space Center. Also, as the only person who realized what was happening, the Doctor took charge and thwarted every bureaucratic means of stymieing him until he arrived at a solution. Once Carrington was defeated, he stepped away, leaving everything to Liz and Unit. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We have <laughs> we have four of these, so I'm not going to go into the granular detail, but I will say, yes, something that we we didn't talk about in our review was that I felt the Doctor, you know, he name checks the Silurians and goes, well, I guess, you know, what is he up to now that he's already blown up the Silurians or whatever it is he says. But in essence, we didn't get that argument that Nick and I foresaw the last time that we watched a serial and reviewed it, the Silurians, in fact. We thought, well, maybe he's going to refuse to work with Unit now. You know, maybe he's going to object morally. Uh, thank you so much for sending this in. Ladies and gents, go and read this in its full splendor on whobackwhen.com and uh, pop on to Twitter and high five Paul online. He is at Wordsmith Paul. Thanks, Paul. Next up, we have Trenton. Trenton Bliss. Hey, Trenton. How you doing? Uh, Trenton has uh, yet again sent in a maxi <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, by the way, this is another opportunity to mention something that we have brought up on Who Back When before, namely that if you um, want to send us a maxi, what would really help us out is if you, in addition to that, also send us a mini or, you know, highlight roughly 250 words of your maxi. And it'll, it, it'll just make it much easier for us because we do get quite a few of these. Okie dokie. As Trenton has sent in a, a Maxi review, I present to you the expurgated version. Here we go. Trenton says, Numerous scripting revisions cause an uneven plot. David Whittaker has 
sole writing credit, despite penning no further than episode 3. Assistant script editor Trevor Ray rewrote part 1 while Malcolm Hulk developed the remainder. The narrative feels extemporized, a bumpy, sometimes thrilling ride, but one with no clear end in sight. That's not necessarily to AOD's disadvantage, although it does leave the motivation of the villains Carrington to Taltalian, that was his name, and Regan less than clear. Another hiccup comes when the alien captain abruptly broadcasts to Earth in English, (laughs) undermining the six-week slog to develop a translation device. Shit, that is such a good point. How did we not (laughs) realize that? Yeah, thanks, Trenton. Trenton goes on, so what do I give this serial? Well, it's not perfect. It's a bit choppy at times, and David Whittaker really didn't have the majority of a hand in it. He basically came up with the idea, got paid, and went to Australia. He never wrote for the show again. But at the same time, this serial kept my attention throughout, similar to The Silurian. So I will not give this serial a 4 out of 5, but rather a 3.8 out of 5 instead. Shazam! Nice one, Trenton. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant observation. Uh, and, as usual, a brilliant Max you uh, again whoback1.com click on this episode you'll find it in the comment section below uh, thank you trenton people of podcast land who are not trenton high five trenton online he is at trenton bless that's bless with two s's next up we've got chris chris zeds how you doing chris chris i sent in a mini i'm gonna read it out in its uh, entirety see nice one chris chris says Trying to keep it short, but we'll see how this goes. The duplicated opening titles each episode were annoying. It was nice to see that Ronald Allen, who played Cornish, can actually act, and that his role in The Dominators was bad for some other reason. Writing slash production. Wait, what? I am, I'm going to have to look him up in a second. I like that DS, that's Doc and Shaw, I imagine, discuss Bagel's action at the end of the last serial. Yes, yes, exactly. But Doc doesn't seem to hold enough of a grudge. Yes! Chris, exactly! Holy smokes, we are on the same page. Chris goes on. Liz Shaw is also brilliant with her manipulation of Lennox. Carrington is also well acted. He plays like someone with PTSD really well. I felt like the serial was seven episodes of unit incompetence and the doctor fixing the mistakes. The space capsule and a radioactive isotope are stolen from under their noses. The rocket launch is sabotaged. A prisoner is broken out of his cell at Unit HQ. A man in, quote, protective custody is murdered. Quinlan is killed in his own office. Taltalian, who held a gun to DS and bagels, is allowed to walk into space control with high explosives. Whew, when you put it like that. Chris goes on, I got Vashta Narada vibes from the quiet but deadly astronauts walking around and killing Sir James with just a touch. I like the serial. It definitely didn't need to be seven episodes long, but it also didn't feel as poorly paced as others of this length. It gets a 3.2 from me. Nice one, Chris. Uh, we are 100% on the same page. Yes, a super good observation about the Vashta Narada. Another thing that... <laughs> I don't know why it didn't dawn on me, but oh my goodness... Two episodes of Who Back When in a row, we've reviewed Doctor Who stories with slow-moving, zombie-like astronauts driven by some possibly malevolence? Well, certainly uh, destructive, at the very least, alien force. Brilliant observation. Thank you very much, Chris. Keep em coming. All right, next up, last up, in fact, we have Grant. <clears throat> Grant! <laughs> A.K.A. Rudolph. Uh, Grant says, um, this is another mini. Oh, and he's also included some trivia, which I actually did glance at earlier on, uh, and I really do want to include it. So here we go. Grant says, hey, another review here for the Ambassadors. Boing of death. 
<laughs> a really great story with plenty of twists, action, and excitement to keep things going. With the doctor coming up against a walking accent with a beard, <laughs> and the bloke from the Ferrero Rocher ad- adverts. More of that in a second? Wait, what? Uh, oh, which reminds me, I need to look up the guy from the Dominators. Okay, uh, we get to see the third doctor at his most dickish, with his behavior towards Ralph Cornish at the start being appallingly bad and then obsequiously nice when he finds out who he is. Liz is brilliant and resourceful as ever and Bagels gets to twirl his mustache and shoot people. (laughs) The continuity at the start, with the Doctor still not speaking to Bagels after the Silorian incident, is a nice touch and their relationship is nicely frosty throughout. Hmm, not sure I agree with that, but okay, cool. He adds, trivia time. John Abinari as General Carrington is most famous for playing a butler in the 1980s Ferrero Rocher adverts. I see. (laughs) Okay. He went from the Ambassadors of Death to the Ambassadors Reception. The serial also features the return of Benton, who'd go on to be a core part of the unit family over the next few years. Interestingly, the scene where the scientist is killed by... uh, Killed by what? By whom? Wait, what? Grant! No! (laughs) Grant has cut the sentence short there and left us all on a cliffhanger. He does go on to the next point, but holy smokes, Grant. Um, Pop another comment on the website or email me and I'll I'll uh, expand. Oh, that's so exciting. This is a roller coaster, Grant. A roller coaster. Okay. Whew. Gathering my senses, Grant goes on with more trivia. Here's the thing that I glanced earlier on. This is pretty badass. The TV presenter is played by the late, great Michael Wisher, who'd turn up a few years down the road as Davros in Genesis of the Daleks. Wow. Yeah, just Wow. Okay, and final point. The scenes of Liz Shaw running across a wet concrete bridge and dangling off railings over a river are a little hard to watch these days, as Caroline John subsequently revealed she was pregnant. What? During filming, but hadn't told the production team at this point. In fact, her husband, Jeffrey Beavers, (laughs) great name, appears briefly on screen as the unit radio operator. He'd return in 1981 to play the master in The Keeper of Traken. Whoa, cool. That's pretty awesome. Her husband was the master. Uh, wait, what? She was pregnant? She's doing stunt work? That is not okay, Liz slash BBC, but which I mean Caroline slash BBC. Anyway, Grant uh, signs off giving this a 5 out of 5. Happy times and places, he says. Grant! Rudolph. <laughs> Nice one, thank you. Yeah, that's it for now. Uh, hang on, I'm going to pause myself, and then I'm going to look up this person, and then I'm going to come back. Okay, here we go. Let's hear from even more future Ponkin. Boing Shazam, even more future Ponkin here. Uh, yeah, just looked up, uh, what's his face? Hang on, what was his face? Ronald Allen, who played Cornish in this one. He did appear in The Dominators as Rago. He was a total badass in that. That's fantastic. Very, very impressive stuff. Well done, Ronald. Okie dokie. Thank you very much to Chris Zed, who pointed this out. Let's get back to slightly less future Ponkin. Uh, Boing Shazam. Bing bong, regular future Ponkin here. Okie dokie, that's it for now. Let's get back to the show. Bing bong. Thanks, future me, and also thank you everyone who wrote in. <laughs> that's it for, for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Where are we going next? So. We're going to do a, a new Who review next. We're going to be reviewing... Midnight. Ka-ching. After which we will be back with another classic Who review, namely of Inferno. Hooray! I just saw it's another seven episode arc. Dante's Inferno. <laughs> 
After that, however, we have Terror of the Autons, four episodes. And also a return to Autons. I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, Inferno, I'm sure, great. So see you there in two weeks' time. Nick, people can follow you on Twitter, correct? Yes, at Nickulele, which is N-I-K-U-L-E-L-E. Like ukulele, but with Nick... It's been a while since I said that. You can follow me as well. High-five me online. I will high-five you right back. I'm at Punkin. You know how to spell that. Thank you so much for listening. Be rad and excellent to each other, ladies and gents. Ciao-ciao. Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? The finals on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who back when just got its very own Twitter account. No lie. So give us a follow. You guessed it. That's at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your ear balls in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or, <laughs> still funny, audio Who review. Cha-chow. Who back when?